Hello, everyone. This is the D-Ray Bay Playoff Podcast Series, ALCS Game 5, Instant Reaction. Astros win this one 4-3 after a walk-off home run from Carlos Correa. And uh, we're going to get at least a Game 6 in this series after the Rays have had two chances to shut the door. So, I'm Brett Rutherford. We've got a full house tonight. We've got Jim Turvey on the podcast. We've got Brian Menendez. And, of course, Danny Russell is here as well. Um, Danny Correa walk-off in the ninth off of Nick Anderson. It was actually a really good pitch. What, what are you feeling after that game? I feel like sometimes quality baseball players put one over the fence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was a competitive pitch, and that was a great swing. Yeah, I don't know if it was the moment or if it was the way the broadcasters kind of set up that moment. Uh, we are going to – I'm going to call a moratorium on the POS <laughs> – broadcasting that we heard tonight <laughs> okay where the the claims of <laughs> narrative shifts happening in the fifth inning and the the dramatic uh need for the astros to if they throw a curveball wow you've never seen a curveball go 11 to 5 before that's a that's an amazing thing i i can't handle it uh so this moratorium is, you've got here danny moment <laughs> we're going to talk about it all right Brian, uh, Brian, I want to hear your thoughts on, on this game. It's your first instant reaction podcast and, and what, what a one to hop on. So it was a close game throughout. The Astros seem to always have a little bit of an edge, and ultimately they pulled away and won the game. Um, but what are you feeling after that? The strikeouts are out of control. That's that's how I that's how I feel about it. I feel like anytime the Rays have there was traffic on the base pass, it seemed it seemed like every inning. Um there was a guy on first or a guy on first and second. Um we were drawing a lot of walks. Um, but I feel like in those moments, the, some of the Astros pitchers threw very hittable pitches and we were just missing them. Um, I was telling Jim, um, I think it was the, the eighth or the ninth or, um, I think that, uh, Randy Rosarena and Austin Meadows had really good approaches at the plate against Presley. It looked like they were both sitting sliders Mm -hmm. and they both got very hittable pitches and they just missed them. So, I think when when the the moments are matter the most, I think that they're just not coming through with the big hits. Um, it, it, we're we're not going to win with solo home runs. It's just it's just not it's just not going to happen. Um, you know, I you, you hope that the opportunities keep coming because the more traffic that gets on base, like you just hope that at some point a three run homer is going to happen. Um, but like the strikeouts are out of control. The home runs are solo home runs, and if you're the Astros, even with the home runs. I'm sure on their side, they're saying, you know, solo home runs are fine, you know? So that's, that, that, that was my thoughts throughout the game. Yeah. And Jim, Jim, we'll go to you next. Um, the, let, let's talk about, hmm, I don't know. Yeah. The, well, the offensive production. What, what are you, what are you, what are you thinking going forward in the series? Not necessarily this game, but, but what's your thought process going into game six? Well, I'll, I'll get that in one second, but I did to, to follow off of what Brian was saying a little bit. I think the number that, that pops for this game is 17. That's the number of men left on base by the Rays. That's insanity. That's, that's a lot. But I actually, instead of seeing it as a problem looking backwards, which I do kind of think it is, I think the really easy take after this game right now is that the Rays were lucky to win any of these games. This should be an Astros sweep. The Astros are better. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. The, the Rays did get a couple of breaks in the first three games, and you could argue that they did get lucky to snag all three of them. But the Rays got really unlucky tonight. They, they should have won this game tonight, honestly. And so if we're going to be counting those Astros' lucky wins, then we have to count this 
as a lucky win for Houston. So I, I think honestly what it is, it's two really close, evenly matched baseball teams that honestly it was kind of funky. They got to three Oh, and now we're seeing that the, the flip side of that. And, and honestly, in the end, it's going to come down to, can the Rays win one of the next two coin flips in the next two days? And you have to like your chances. Right. I mean, I think if, if this series went, Rays win game one, Astros win games two and three, Rays win games four and five, you know, like this, this has a much different feel to it than, than the Rays going up three, nothing. But at the end of the day, it's the same result. You know, the series is going six games. If you told anybody that the series was going at least six games when it started, like yeah, I'm sure it's these are two good teams, evenly matched, like you said, and it 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 could and probably will go all seven. Now we hope we hope not at this point, um, but yeah, interesting. Yeah, the strike the strikeouts were, were up tonight, and um, ultimately G-Man Troy, who would it would have been one of the biggest moments of the postseason. It'll probably be forgotten at this point um, after the Astros went on to win the game, but Randy Rosarena hits another home run. Um, I do want to talk about Randy Rosarena, and I know we talk about him every night, and there's not much more to say, but this, this the postseason he's having is already one of the best, if not the best postseason performance in Rays history. It's going, it's going to go down if the Rays go on to the World Series as maybe the best offensive performance in, in postseason history for all of baseball. He could end up leading in hits, home runs, extra base hits all time in Major League Baseball in the postseason. And I know it's been an extra long postseason. It's the longest postseason baseball's ever seen. But Randy Rosarena, what he's done, and it's not like it's just one moment. It's not like it's just two moments. It's every single night he's bringing it. And in a night like tonight, which there's not a whole lot of positives, we got to keep talking about Randy. For sure. It's gotten to the point now where if Randy doesn't hit one out, or Randy takes a pitch in the zone, it's shocking. And baseball is a game, we've said it before, is uh, you, you hit 300 and you make the Hall of Fame. And for Randy, I feel like he hits 500. And that coin flip every at-bat is just surprising. So at this point, yeah, of course Randy hom- homered. Yeah, of course he tied Evan Longoria's rookie record for home runs in the postseason. Of course he's, what, one or two hits away from tying Jeter's rookie record. Uh, for hits in the postseason, um, this is astounding, mm-hmm. and it 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 breaks your brain a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I think in a lot of ways, I think last year we saw in the World Series where it was kind of Juan Soto's coming out party. Um, and granted, Juan Soto had two very good years before that series. I kind of kind of I see the same parallel happening with Randy Rosarena. It's really been the Randy Rosarena show. Um, and it's, it's been really fun to watch. Um, some would say he rakes all night, day, and year. <laughs> I heard somebody say that. Yeah. yeah. I, got, I got a question for, for the group here. Because I going back to the, the first long ball of the day there, Mr. Brandon Lau, who had, what, three hits yeah. prior to that? Yeah. So I'm curious. On his next couple of bats, he looked back to being a little bit lost. What, what do you three make of? I think that could be a pretty pivotal – I mean, if he's going to be batting leadoff, that could be a pretty big – bat to either wake up or stay sleeping what do you guys make of his day well, well i think that's the decision right there the, the decision to hit him lead off after he wasn't even in the lineup yesterday was going into this game the biggest decision or the most shocking decision made by kevin cash and he made good contact in his first plate appearance comes up in the third hits a home run and yeah he did struggle at the plate after that had two more strikeouts later on in the game including in the, in the ninth inning um but 
Brandon Lau, like that is a moment that can spark something. And now that you're in crunch time where he might only have eight more plate appearances in the season or less, that is a big moment. He's got to start getting hot. And I think the home run was, was obviously the best way to do that. Yeah, I think with Brandon Lau, uh, you love to see him hitting a home run today. Um, I, I think the reason you stick with him is because you know that he's good. And, and even when he's at his worst, you, you hope that he can run into one. With that said, though, I can't think of a player in this series who's been more exposed than Brandon Lau. I mean, the Astros just know how to pitch to him. Um, other than the home run, which was, you know, a very hittable fastball. I mean, I could go back to the entire playoffs. He just, he just hasn't looked good. I mean, he's, he's swinging at non-competitive pitches at this point. Um, so the teams know how to pitch to him. Um, I don't, I don't see the opponents changing anything unless he changes his approach. Yeah. One more thing on Brandon Lau. Uh, we talked about all season and all the improvements he made at the plate. He struck out a whole lot less. He walked a whole lot more. He was hitting for more power. Now what and, and not even I'm gonna disregard the batting average and the on base percentage, but the strikeout rate is going and almost getting as high as it was in 2019. And that was a major problem for him in 2019. He was still a great player, still an all-star. Um, but that was a huge problem. And it was a problem that he seemingly fixed in the regular season. I, and I'm not worried about him moving forward as a player. That's what's come back in the postseason. He looked those some you're seeing some of those same at bats where, like you said, it's just not looking competitive and he's going down real easy. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's troubling. And that's been, that's been his biggest issue. And you hope that tonight getting, making some good contact on a ball, driving it out for a home run is the, the catalyst that he needed to kind of get back on the horse. Should we talk what about pitching? Yeah. Well, one thing, one thing I'm really curious about from the Houston side of things going into game six and seven is, Dusty kind of managed this one like Kevin Cash today. I, I don't know the exact final count on pitchers, but they used a lot of bullets. Seven I, pitchers. Seven pitchers. In, in game one, uh, Framber, the Rays didn't really work him that much. I think he was at something like 75 pitches at some point, like the seventh thing. I think the approach, I think Yoshi has to be in the lineup. Uh, these guys who are going to get him six, seven pitches deep, and we need to work that count and get into what is going to be a tired pen and, if we do, I, I'm feeling good. But if, if he's sitting at 75 pitches in the seventh inning, it's going to be a little it, – it's not going to be a good time for the Rays, even if they hit a, a solo homer or two like they've been doing all series. Yeah, again, and that Framber's going to be on the mound for the Houston. It'll be most likely Blake Snell for the Rays. He'll be on normal rest. He pitched in game one. Um, the Rays pitching staff. Now, out of all the games, in terms of getting to the A bullpen and being that bridge to the A bullpen, which it kind of felt like it's been all postseason, this was the worst of the options for the race. And not a bad option at all. John Curtis gets the open. He goes an inning and a third. Then you get three innings where he only gives up two runs out of Josh Fleming. Could have been a little better, but was not bad by any means. Then you get two and two-thirds innings out of the uh, Sluggers. He gives up no runs. Then you turn the ball over to Nick Anderson, who looks good. I even think on the fastball it was a really good pitch, 96 on the outside part of the plate. Um, it was just clobbered. Um, but you go into tomorrow, like Blake Snell is going to be on the mound. You, you're going to let him ride. Then you've got still got Diego Castillo. You've still got Pete Fairbanks. We talked about Jose Alvarado and how he might fit in to more high-leverage situations now that he's got an outing in his belt. And Nick Anderson, like he's going to be available tomorrow as well. If need be, the Rays and Kevin Cash do not want this to go to game seven. They want to get this taken care of tomorrow night. But I just want to say that 
Curtis Fleming and Sluggers, the fact that they were able to pitch a good majority of the innings tonight and only give up three runs to that Astros lineup is really impressive. And the fact that they were able to eat up all those outs and preserve so much of the bullpen. Now, I know we're, we're, in, we're in the part of the season where it's only about winning. It's not about bullpen preservation. But that was huge tonight. We said it yesterday. It's true again tonight. That's huge going, in, going into game six, that the Rays still have a, a, almost a full stable. Yeah, credit to this legend for stepping up there. Um, man, what a bummer. Yeah, I really felt like this day had magic. I felt like this was the day that, that it was going to come together. It was a tie ball game. Three, three. Man, I'm just I'm thinking back, and the moment that sticks out to me in this game, and I can't get over it, is uh, eight, nine in the lineup, get on base. Mm. <laughs> and there's the two bouncer to Austin Meadows in right field. And he throws the loopiest throw home. Oh, yeah. He's got a noodle. He's useless. I mean, in the outfield. What was that throw? It, it bounced twice on its way back to the plate. It bounced twice to him. It bounced twice on the way back. Uh, Zunino actually made a great stretch to, to pick up the ball off the hop, turn around, and try to get Maldonado. But Maldonado, hustling from second base, should not have been able to slide in so easily. I... I think that's the moment that we look back on in this game. And so yeah. I think, I think that throw had the highest, I think that throw had the highest launch angle of the day. <laughs> brutal. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I don't want to get too much in the weeds. We're, we're focusing on game five here, but Austin Meadows is a guy who has never really performed defensively at the big league level. And that throw, it, it was awful. And, and in my opinion, Meadows is going to be a career DH. And again, not getting too much in the weeds on that because we're just focusing on this series in this game, but you DH Johnny Diaz, you stick Meadows out and right. You've got um, Hunter Renfro who was on the bench and you, you also have Kevin Kiermaier didn't start the game. So Margot plays in center. He probably would be playing in right. Um, but, yeah, that was a decision that having Meadows in the field um, hurt the Rays tonight. And we talk about their great defense. And we've been spoiled. Don't get me wrong. We've been spoiled with the defensive play in the series. Um, but tonight it, it, it hurt the Rays. And that, that, that's an interesting point going back to Meadows, too, with that throw. And not, not to put too much stock in that one situation and say that, you know, had Renfro been in right field, he definitely would have thrown him out at home and the complexion of the game changes. But I think there's an interesting conversation to be had where, you know, you have Meadows' bat in the lineup, even though he's struggling because you know that he can run into one. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, Renfro, that's really why Renfro's on the roster too. And if you have him in right field in that situation, I think like if Renfro makes a 50% throw, it's better than Austin Meadows' best throw. I think. You, you don't even know if Maldonado would run if it were Meadows or Margot in that's the outfield. A good point too. They might just hold him at third, get, go get the next batter. Um, and, and that, and, that's and something again, if, we, if we talk too much about this, we're missing the forest from the trees. But I think it's an interesting conversation to have on a micro scale. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I don't know. Do you this know is that a rough it's one. going tomorrow, not McCullers? I don't know if it's been announced, but I assume it's Framber. I mean, McCullers was lights out, and so was Framber. When they pitched, I have not seen an official announcement on Twitter, and no one sent it in Slack either. So I mean, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, if it's if it's just normal rest, I guess it makes sense. Uh, I just didn't know if they would try to shuffle things up or not. Um, I mean, if you think about who's still available in the Rays bullpen, I am feeling pretty good about tomorrow. Uh, Diego Castillo, fresh. Pete Fairbanks, fresh. Aaron Loop, probably fresh. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Jose Alvarado warmed up today and didn't pitch. I assume he's good to go. Uh, Ryan Thompson. Yeah. You know, who is and- a, a push for the Rays bullpen, uh, but would be like, what, the fourth best reliever in the Astros bullpen or something like that? Yeah. So maybe fifth. Um, well, it's hard to imagine Presley coming back in tomorrow, but I guess he can. Uh, would make three straight for him, right? Yeah. Uh, Paredes, it could come in. Uh, Scrub got used a ton tonight. So that means what, Blake Taylor and Josh James again? Can Josh James go three in a row? He's uh, looked the best, I think, out of all their relievers. And I know he gave up the home run to G-Man today and then left with an injury. So we don't really know the full status right. on him. But if he's good to go, you have to imagine that he's available. It's still an elimination game yeah, for the Astros. I think James looked I think James looked pretty good. But in my mind, when he came in, I was like, you know what? I think of all the pitchers the, the Astros threw out there, he was probably the most vulnerable. Yeah. And uh, I'm operating off of a little bit of confirmation bias right now because G-Man Choi did hit the home run. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, to, to kind of go off with what Danny said, um, as far as going into the next two games, I mean, you got to you got to remember that, like, yes, I think like the the they said that the Astros threw out like five rookie pitchers until Presley had mm-hmm. pitched at that point. Mm-hmm. But these were guys that the Astros have depended on to keep in close and win games the entire season. So really this was their A bullpen and the Rays matched them pitch for pitch. You can argue that Curtis is their part of their B bullpen, but Fleming and Sleggers as good as they were and as good as it has uh, Sleggers has been lately in this postseason, we matched up with them with their, the, their C bullpen, mm-hmm. Right. So, like Danny said, um, you know, Nick Anderson can go a second game. Uh, second game. Castillo's fresh. Fairbanks is fresh. Loop is fresh. Thompson is fresh. Whereas, you look at the Astros and all these guys that he's pitched today, you know, is Presley going to go three days in a row? Like, I'm not going to repeat everything that Danny said, but. Um, I wonder if Mike Zanino also is a moment we can think back to when he had the bases loaded. Mm-hmm. And he hit yeah. one very deep to the warning track. Oh, yeah. I thought, yeah. <laughs> Man, that. think it was going to go that far but then when i saw reddick drifting back i, I kind of i was hoping but that was just the story of the night though they were always men on base and they're always just not quite able to be driven in i mean if it's frustrating but i i don't think i mean i i guess the the counter to it would be the the high strikeout rate right that that is the type of thing that that makes you struggle with with that in scoring those runners but I, I don't see 17 left on base uh, in game six and seven. So I, I, I'm still feeling decent uh, as we head out. One one possibly completely not interesting thing I just wanted to throw out because someone had, had mentioned it and I, I it was interesting to think about at least for a second was that the format being 2-3-2, we don't really need a 2-3-2 format in the, the LCS this year. But I mean, arguably, I would have loved last ups in this game for sure. And uh, mm-hmm. if it had been 2-2-1-1-1, I, who knows if the game plays out differently, but just kind of um, certainly don't get your walk off for Correa. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, question for you guys: So tomorrow's game six. The Rays still have a three to two lead. They've got Blake Snell starting. That's been announced already. If thing, I, I know you've got the A bullpen rested. Is there a chance that that we could see Charlie Morton or Tyler Glass now tomorrow? I feel like they would save them for – well, so let's think about it. Glassnow pitched yesterday. 
So yes. probably not. Uh, but maybe I think Glass Morton. will come back for seven. Yeah, maybe Morton for six, because that's like the, the pitch day or whatever. But Morton would also be the scheduled starter for seven, so if you use him in game mm. six, he's probably not starting. But I don't think the Rays are going to have to do that because the A bullpen is rested. Now, if you had to blow through your A bullpen today and the Astros came back and won, then you maybe go from Snell to Morton in game six um, just because that's all that's left and you don't want to go to a game seven. But I, I don't think the Rays are going to be in a situation where that's going to need to happen tomorrow. At least I hope not. Um, Snell's just going to go complete game shut piece. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you, you want to win tomorrow, but I don't think tomorrow is going to be managed – like a game seven, I, you know, especially with, with Blake Snell, he's, you know, he's, he's one of your top two, three guys. Some could argue top one. I like, I think about, I think about it was like 2011 or maybe 2013 where Jeremy Hellickson got a start and in a second inning, it was bases loaded with no outs and Joe Madden yanked him. Right. Mm -hmm. I think you treat Blake Snell a little bit differently than a pitcher like Hellickson, right? Blake Snell is going to have a little bit more of a longer leash they're going to let him get out of at least one or two jams. Blake Snell really has to not be your best option yeah. in order for cash to take him out. So with that said, I mean, could Blake Snell, or sorry, could, could Tyler Glasnow or Charlie Morton pitch tomorrow? I mean, theoretically, yes. Um, but I don't think if, if either of those two pitch tomorrow, I think things are not going very well. Either it's um, Blake Snell just really didn't have it and they had to dip into the bullpen too early. Yeah. Or the game's in extra innings and everybody else has been exhausted. Uh, agreed. Agreed. Um, G-Man Choi, he got on base uh, all four times he came to the plate today. So two walks, a single, and then obviously the big home run. That went, feet. Yeah. Is that the longest home run of the year for the Rays? Or did Renfro maybe hit? Well, the Renfro and Zanino balls at Fenway Park. Zunino was 453, I think, this postseason. Oh, okay, wow. Yeah, and then you yeah, have one, one of his dead center home runs, yeah, I think, yeah. The two balls they hit at Fenway Park that StatCast didn't even register, those probably <laughs> both, even though they were to left field, I mean, the, those were massive home runs. Um, but G-Man Troy, I, I thought he was really, you know, he, he did a really solid job at the plate. Um, Willie Adamas struggling still. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, – I'm not panicking yet, but I know where the panic button's at. It's over at the edge of the desk. The lid's still on it. It could that lid could could come off very quickly though tomorrow night. I'm I'm with Danny. Honestly, the the feeling isn't like panic right now. It's just kind of like bummed. <laughs> I, I I was like I thought tonight was the night. I'm just kind of like down. Like it's like ah man. With... I'll be honest. I bought champagne this morning, <laughs> and I never said I when I bought it for, um, but I bought some. And uh, I didn't consider it jinxing. I considered it. I considered it manifesting. So <laughs> let's hope that tomorrow night, when we're on this Instant Reaction podcast, I can have a nice little glass of, of champagne, and maybe everyone else does too. So, any final thoughts on the game tonight? What happens when you start the pale horse? Hey, he was fine. <laughs> he was fine. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. Well, real quick, before we, I don't, we don't want to really wrap up on a negative, but I guess you do in a game like this. Four to five games, the Astros have had a home run in the first inning. Mm. And we talk about tone setting a lot. Not a great tone to set. I guess that's what happens when you have just amazing hitters at the top of that lineup. So, so things I liked from Curtis today, just to because I brought that up. Uh, picking off 
Altuve at first base was glorious. That, that was fast. yeah, so great. What a light, Brian. How hard is it to get that throw off to first base that fast? Oh, it's it's yeah, it's bad. Especially especially with a right-handed pitcher, you have to kind of do that jump turn kind of thing. So it's really the the so on, on a on a when a left-handed pitcher is pitching, you keep going, right? Mm-hmm. On a right-handed pitcher, you like if you're if you're caught leaning, that's it, you're done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, and that's because, like, even when a lefty goes to first base, they're still doing their full leg lift. They're basically doing an entire pitching motion to first base. So you can mm-hmm. just keep going, and the odds are you could still be safe. But if you're caught leaning against a righty, you're just done, and that's what happened. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, and I'm, I'm probably not as accomplished of a pitcher as Jim – or as Brian, rather. Um, no, I, yeah, you got it right, as Jim. <laughs> <laughs> so, but when I, when I pitched in high school, it was just – if. If you're on first base, I'm not even looking over at you. It, I was I was bad, and guys stole on me. Um, so I'm glad that John Curtis isn't the same way. And it was always fun watching Jose Altuve. You know, we, did you guys feel bad for Jose Altuve watching him get picked off? We're supposed to why feel bad I, for the guy. Why would I ever yeah. feel bad? For <laughs> I just hear people say Mainly we're supposed to keep feeling bad for the guy. Which I would feel bad for Jose. I feel bad that uh, stores don't really sell platform shoes anymore, and he has to have them custom made. That's the full extent of me feeling bad for Jose Altuve. <laughs> Uh, final thought on Curtis. Go for it. Comes back out for the second inning. Beautiful strikeout of Correa. Yeah. Yeah, I think I wrote it in the Slack. That sequence was masterful. Yeah. And, and I think just to 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 kind of go along with the point of Curtis and Fleming, you know, like like for for Fleming, you know, two and two thirds innings or whatever it was. No, I think he pitched three innings. Three innings, two runs. Like that's not the greatest line. Like if you just look at it. But I mean, if you were to tell me that going into the sixth inning, this game would be three to one. I mean, you take that every time, you know, and one of those runs was on the Meadows throw. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not to pick front of Meadows, but yeah, I'm so mad about that throw. Fleming, Fleming was fine. And he, he did pretty much what you expect him to do. You know, he's not going to go out there and give you six shutout innings, um, but he, but he didn't implode. He's on the list of raised pitchers. That's a very short list where I'll be happy if they don't implode. And Fleming didn't do that tonight. And Blake Snell is back one, my, one of my favorite Fleming moments of the night was uh, the PA system started playing Danger Zone after. Um, <laughs> so uh, Josh Reddick singled and then um, and, and then Maldonado got on base. And that's when the 8-9 got on. Yeah. And the PA system starts playing Danger Zone. And then there's like a little tapper back to the mound or, or just left of the mound, not to the third base side. And Fleming fielded it and then rifled it. Great play. Great play. Love that moment. Uh, I was like, who's in the danger zone now? <laughs> but of course, right. you know, can't have nice things. Meadows. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, that's going to do it for tonight's episode of the D-Rays Bay Playoff Podcast Series, ALCS. Game five instant reaction. And uh, yeah, guys, thank you for, for, for being on. Um, it's really great to be able to talk. It's very therapeutic. I'll say that. To be able to talk <laughs> through a game like that, that ended like that. Um, and I'm ready for game six. So if you want each of these episodes downloaded directly on your device, make sure to subscribe to our podcast feed and make sure to head on over to DRaceBay.com to check out all of the great coverage from this 2020 postseason run. Thank you guys for listening and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Can you smell what the Zilla is cooking?